0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald.
2: Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, your weekly questions edition of the podcast. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gills, Gilbert, and two dogs in a small room talking K-State sports. It's everything you ever imagined. Again, we're sponsored by the Fridge. Make sure you stop into the Fridge whenever you are in town. The fridge social media now features me, Tim Fitzgerald. I sent out a nice tweet. I went in there the other day um, and uh, bought an excessive amount of beer for one person. That's okay. I'm working on it. I told my wife I'm cleaning the fridge. Because Not it's your actually, fridge. No, it's actually in our fridge and it's in the way. So I'm like, I'm cleaning it one bottle at a time. Do you need help with that? We could. We okay. could after okay. this. We could all. Uh, although I got the Pacifico cleared out. That was a. Twelve-step process, and now I'm working on the big wave and the longboard, and uh, I have some yingling smuggled in from Texas, also, yes. uh, in the fridge. So it's quite crowded. And eventually, Kansas will get yingling, and you can buy it at the fridge. But don't get your hopes up; it's not there yet. That was bad advertising. Get into the fridge. Make sure, uh, they, according to their social media, they're going to be putting a pool in the front parking lot, and that'll be fantastic. You can just go get your beer and hang out by the pool. Actually, it's a pretty good concept if you think about it. Put a liquor store connected to like a, what anyhow, uh, Get to the fridge. Come get you some. Go get you some. Oh, that's close. Man, Zach, you just can't, you can't trust the kids. You can't trust things. the kids. No, no. I understand we've got some pretty mediocre questions. That's fantastic. I am mediocre with my answers. They're fine. They're fine? Okay. Let it be known that Zach was the one that said that.
3: He didn't use the word mediocre. I I put the word in there. I just did not choose very many questions because it's summertime, and we can only talk about conference realignment so many times. Nope.
2: You can never talk about it enough. Uh, Believe me, our YouTube proves that. That's true. Uh, Now, uh, I'm going to open up the floor to... um, to the staff here to express their horror, dismay, or support of the fact that the boss created an entire long-form story of his own tweets, the most self-serving, self-absorbed thing I've ever done as a journalist.
3: But I haven't looked at the clicks. So no. Welcome to 2022, Fitz. Yep. Glad you could join us. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't
4: read a single one of your tweets thank when you. you were tweeting it. Oh, okay. But then when you went back and put it in the article, I went back and was more likely to read it. So
2: it's helpful. Sure. That calls an ask. Sir, Gills, your thought? I loved it. That is an, an ask. Ego term. maniac. Egotistical. Egotistical is that prick. A right word? I there think, think that's what your. Sure. Yes. Okay. So let me get
3: on Google Analytics here real quick. We'll see. We'll see. Fits.
2: <laughs> okay. Um,
3: oh yeah. We're great. Great work. Uh, great work today. Um, what's it at? You can just. You're uh, not gonna say? You no, I say? no, I won't say. I'm not looking at the actual numbers. I'm just looking at analytics of the whole site. Oh, but okay, good. We did well. Yeah, you um, did, did a good job. That's- and
2: l- let's be honest here: twenty four seven is different than where we worked before. We've got a two pronged attack here. One is our incredible VIP coverage that is uh, a lot of recruiting and other and team analysis and that kind of stuff. Scoop when we get it. Uh, that drives subscriptions, but also the seventy five percent of our content is free, like our daily deliveries and all that stuff, and that drives a whole different advertising form of business and that's why 24 7 continues to rock and everyone else kind of struggles that was my shot at the competition let's get to your questions from all about station if if we don't want to pause to go to the fridge should we go to the fridge right now
3: no we've taken long enough to get started okay <laughs> who's got them i don't even i've know. got
2: them oh uh gills right, gills Mike. is here uh gills serves up some great questions and a badass margarita but that's a whole different podcast sponsor from Chris six six two zero four, what
5: one stat this season, besides wins and losses, obviously, will be the best indicator of whether the
2: football team has had a successful season? Can I say uh, margin of victory? If if, if, they, if the margin of victory is like in every yeah. game, like that's, point differential, that, you could I be think mar- I think a
3: good I well, think margin of victory or margin of victory would be. Wins and losses, still a little bit. Unless you're Nebraska. You know that stat, Oh,
2: sure. That's what's funny about it is Adrian Martinez last year outscored his opponents dramatically, (laughs) but because they lost every game by single digits and they blew out a few opponents and still had a losing record. Anyhow, uh, how about uh, wins and losses?
5: Uh, Number of ice cream sandwiches you can finish in one half.
2: That's a box? valid stat. That's a valid stat from a sports writer's perspective. If you can, if you can put down three ice cream treats and a half as an adult and not get sick to your stomach, you are a man, and that means the cap. Are
4: worried. you ready for this insanely weird stat from yes. last year? Yes. So I have the cumulative stats pulled up for twenty twenty one, and K State averaged twenty seven point five four points a game. Their opponents averaged twenty one points, so they. Basically won by a touchdown according to statistics for averages on the season. Um, Then when you look at total plays, K-State ran 748 plays. Their opponents ran 835. That might not seem like a lot, but when you take into consideration that there was what, three games early on or two games early on in the season in Stanford and Southern Illinois that, you know, those are games that, I guess K-State didn't handle Southern Illinois, but they handled Stanford. Do you have a possession average? Is there a possession time? I'm sure there is. I'd have to continue to look a little bit. But okay. my point
3: is... That, that was my, po- my counterpoint to your Average point.
4: time of possession. Here you go. Okay. Average time of possession. The opponent had the ball for 30 minutes and 6 seconds. And K-State had it for 29 minutes and 54 seconds. So, technically, sure. Right? You want to look at time of possession. It was about 50-50. But that shouldn't be the case right k-state with how many plays they ran compared to how many plays that they were on defense you would think that that shouldn't be the case but because k-state ran the ball so much that's why the time of possession is that close this all leads me back to the point that i'm trying to make with colin klein they need to run more plays than their opponent right if you have a better time of possession great if you don't Who cares? But you need to run more plays. So to me, Zach, time of possession, you can throw that out the window. In today's era of football, I firmly believe as long as you're scoring points and you're getting stops, you can throw time of possession out of the window because on defense, I mean (laughs) – If you're getting stops, what does it matter? Ben, don't break. We've seen that work for the Chiefs in the NFL time after time after time. The Chiefs score quickly time after time. They always lose the time of possession battle, but yet they still find a way to win the game at the end. It's about total plays. It's about total scoring on offense. To me, if the offense can score more than they did last year, that will give me all that I know because I have total confidence in the defense.
3: I'm good with your argument, but I think when you look at last year, the time of possession should have been better. than They shouldn't have lost 50-50. I mean, they were on the underside of that. If you're going to run that few plays... Because that was
4: their game plan. You
3: need to dominate the time of possession. And now that's out the window because Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator now. We get the sense that he's going to try running more plays. So the time of possession is probably going to be a lot lower, but more efficient. I think K-State's going to be more efficient with their time. I think, though, for the, the one stat... That would be the greatest indicator of success. I think is wide receiver touchdown catches. I think if, you know, I think Deuce Vaughn's going to get his, he's going to, you know, he's going to catch the ball every once in a while. I think he'll score touchdowns there, but how many more touchdown passes can wide receivers catch? I think is the greatest key stat to look at and say, K-State was successful. Cause if they get 20, Twenty-four, you know, whatever it is. If they're if they're averaging two a game, I think that they're gonna be in a good position because I think K-State's gonna have a lot of running touchdowns as well.
2: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna spin off of that a little bit. I'm this confident in this offense, okay, that I don't want an offensive stat necessarily. Turnover differential, which is always a good indicator of success. But I feel confident enough that Kansas State's offense will be functioning at a high level. I think turnover differential comes into play two reasons. First of all, the defense has to be aggressive enough, which Coach talked about, amping it up a little bit this year now that they're more comfortable in the three-man front. But also that probably means Adrian has solved his issues. So for me, it's turnover differential. What about, let me ask you this. It felt like K-State was in
4: pretty much every single game they played last year, right? On the scoreboard, it may not have felt like that watching the game, but on the scoreboard, you wouldn't have to squint your eyes and find a way for K-State to find a way to get back into the game. Would you guys generally agree with me on that statement? That it felt like a two-possession game, they had the ball. If they scored a touchdown, got another stop, scored it, they're either three points down or they're in the game. Really, the only exception would be Iowa State, right? Every, every other game, it felt like K-State could legitimately find a way to win the game. At least that's how I felt like last year in the game. They, they were always close to being in the game. And I think that goes back to uh, the red zone. And it felt like, for me, K-State was awful at scoring touchdowns in the red zone last season. They were awful. They were 30 of 45 on red zone touchdowns. On that same token, it felt like K-State's defense was really good at stopping the opponent from scoring touchdowns in the red zone because, again... When you hold them to field goals, you're still in the game. They had 26 of 41. So either way, 15 times, it was pretty much the same of when they were on offense and when they were on defense. The defense did a good job. The offense didn't do a good job. If they can find a way to score more touchdowns in the red zone, I'll look at that stat and say, yes, the offense is putting up more points and they're going to be in a better position to win. Okay.
5: I like it. Zach, you mentioned wide receivers, and that's where I was going to go. But I, I think just reception yards, I don't think the touchdowns matter as much as just getting the ball in those guys' hands, right? If Deuce Vaughn or Martinez on the ground can punch it in for six. Finish off the drive. I think that's, that's fair. Spot, yep, that's fair. I think 150 yards a game, to answer the question,
2: would be satisfied for me. I want more. I want, like, 500 passing yards a <laughs> game. But I'm greedy. Uh, no, I think maybe a little more than that. But, yeah. Sure, a little more. Good enough. I like it. We actually gave some good answers. Look at us go. Everyone is locked in today.
5: <laughs> who would
3: have thought? <clears throat> huh.
2: From 3G Wildcat, if
5: you are the offensive coordinator, who are your starters for K-State's first game of the season? Same question as defensive coordinator for the defense if you have time.
2: Why? Why did we put this in here? I Zach. don't have a computer here in front of me. Zach, you can use Why? Mine. Here you go. I don't want that. I'm not going to list off 11 starters. Check out gopowercat.com. We will be putting that up as content. <laughs> Uh, twenty-two. All of us at least twenty-two guys. Come on. Who put this question in here? How about this? How about we look hey. at the
4: position battles and we have our best guess for that? Is that fair? Is that is that a good
2: condensed uh, I'm, question? I'm going to say Deuce Vaughn's going to start running back. You guys take the rest. <laughs> Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Are well, you sure? Are yeah, you sure? sure Zach. well Howard isn't going to. I appreciate Coach Kleiman's Snyder-esque <laughs> answers. <laughs> That it's a battle. It's, look, and I know Will's a great quarterback, but you didn't bring in Adrian yeah. to be the backup.
3: I get it. It was funny hearing Chris Clement talk about, we got to find ways to, to use Will. And it's just like. I've heard this before. <sighs> mm-hmm. it's same song. But then you asked him verse. about the red shirt. And he was
4: like, yes, in an ideal world, we want to keep him like, on the red <laughs> shirt.
3: <laughs> it's just like all the answers together. And it's like, they don't. Add up the math. The algebra doesn't work. Yeah, and there's missing variables. And here. Coach,
2: I know you listen to the podcast regularly. You're probably sitting at your desk right now, uh, evaluating how awesome your team's going to be while listening to this podcast. When we say Snyder-esque answers, that is a high compliment. It is a way to create an illusion of what the reality is, but not Dave Aranda-esque. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't start. Um, so uh, I, one thing I will say, you did the, the whole um, offensive line. Uh, it was a really good piece, but uh, you had KT Levinston at the left tackle. And I I know they're talking about he's better, he's more athletic. Da, da, da. I, I just don't trust him. I feel like we're in a relationship now, and he's lost my trust. He has to earn it back by not whiffing on key blocks. I agree with you. Actually. The last thing Adrian Martinez needs to right out of the gate is a lack of trust in his left tackle, because for all the Nebraska people that sh- on Adrian Martinez, you probably should be sh- on your offensive line, because every highlight I saw of a bad mistake, he's throwing off his back foot because he had hardly any time to throw the ball. So if you get him into that cycle again, I'm afraid all the bad habits will come back. And not to get too technical with this, but
4: I did find it interesting that Chris Kleiman said not only is KT Levinson going to play left tackle, he's also going to play left guard. And he talked about maybe we rotate with Cooper Beebe. Cooper Beebe might play some tackle. KT Levinson might play some guard. I mean, something's wrong. It was almost like they're not fully invested on him as they were in the spring. Like we heard really good things about KT Leviston in the spring. But now maybe that's not going to be the case. He's really high on Andrew Langang. So maybe that's your left tackle spot. I, I put the the older guys in there because that's typically how it works at K State, right? right? They usually have the older guys start out, and let's be honest, if you're playing South Dakota and KT's playing left tackle, that's okay. But you're also going to get Andrew Langang in there. You're going to slide Hadley Panzer in at center instead of Hayden Gillum. So, like, there's going to be opportunities for these young kids on the offensive line. To me, though, instead of just projecting these offensive starters, really, because we know who it's going to be, the offensive line, to me, is the most intriguing.
3: Do you want to take a guess as to who the current player on offense and defense is that has the longest consecutive start streak?
4: Right, go. Uh, Is it is is it Malik? Well, no, it's not Malik because he didn't play that much in twenty twenty.
3: Say offense, offense. Who on the offense currently has the longest street? No, Deuce, no, B.B. no. It is Christian Duffy at twenty one consecutive starts.
2: Wow,
3: yeah, he's turned into a really good player. I I really appreciate what
2: and uh, once they moved him back to right tackle, it's just better for him on defense. (sighs) Daniel Green, no. Yeah? It's not
3: Daniel Green. No. Well, it can't
2: be a safety because they're all there in the corners.
3: Echo Boydo? Pickle. Uh, Boydo is second. It is Eli Huggins at the most consecutive starts at 20 right now.
2: I'm really surprised that he started. I'm, I apologize to Eli. <laughs> Don't
3: be. He started up. eight games in 2020. I thought of Eli, games but I'm like, when they went to the front, did he start every game? He has started.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Even though Timmy Horn was the captain, they started Huggins.
2: Huh, interesting. Huh. Okay. No, I'm, not going
5: I'm, not, I'm not doing
2: it. I'm not. I
3: thought it was an interesting I, who stat.
2: Who, who asked the question? 3 G Wildcat. Wildcat. I love you. You're awesome. I ain't doing it right now. I, I don't have enough caffeine in my fridge. <laughs> or the fridge doesn't have enough this caffeine. This sounds like a, a pregame, po- a pre-game
4: uh, questions yeah. answer or question. Yeah. Well, well, it sounds like written
3: content. <laughs> We'll answer your we'll answer your content. We'll ask your we'll answer geez. <laughs> Anyhow, that's how baffled you have us, 3G. We will
2: put it, we'll in, it the in content, content. Uh, where we can actually stop and think about it. Because it's not I don't want to be guessing people said, Well you said this guy would start. And I'm like, well, I didn't I was just doing it off the top of my head. Plus I I'm not I'm not smart enough. From
5: Andy G six eight nine nine, what are your thoughts on the importance of stacking another solid recruiting class on top of this one next year should it be better or the same
2: well i mean you need to keep getting better and one of the the great things bill snyder said back in the day when asked about recruiting over the talent he goes that's what you do in every class you try to go out and recruit a better player than you've recruited the previous time and the next time and the next time there was a systematic yearly climb that he showed at k-state now you know most coaches aren't patient enough for that I feel like Chris Kleinman is I think he understands the trajectory he's got the program on and needs to keep building on it but I mean the problem with 24 is they won't have the same number and high quality of in-state recruits as this class um, it just doesn't it's more of a normal year so that's going to be a challenge win a few key battles but you
5: don't have to do too much in 24 in my opinion I mean you're not going to get a quarterback who's going to be that good you, why would you want to come to K-State with, with Avery Johnson right ahead of you? Yeah, you know? you're right. So.
2: It's going to – they're going to – that position just got Deuce Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be harder. They might be able to get a quarterback in 24, particularly if you red shirts. But after that, if Avery's as good as advertised, it's going to be a problem. That's why I told um, – when I, I did Brian Kavanaugh on um, our My Life of Fitz podcast and – his son Parker just walked on, a quarterback, and I said, Parker timed this perfectly because as a walk-on, he might find himself in a position to be right there in the depth chart as Avery's career goes on because nobody will want to come if Avery's as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's not as good as advertised, it's, it's the Rubley effect. It right. had no impact on recruiting.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, Gills, you're right. I think you need to try and plug the holes you didn't fill in this 23 recruiting class and the 24 recruiting class, right? So obviously they feel comfortable with the running back position, they feel comfortable with the quarterback position. You know, it, it's about balancing your roster. They still have not gotten a pass rusher. Maybe that's something that they hit hard in 24. You're going to have to probably need some more offensive linemen because by the time that this young group of offensive line is is ready uh, to be, to be done You know, you look at the Andrew Langangs and the Hadley Panzers, by the time they're ready to move on, well, maybe that class of 24 is going to need to be able to step in and and be ready to play. So I think you you have to project your roster out. But what you miss on in this class, you can kind of build on it with the 24 class. And I think that's that's what they need to do. I don't think it's got to be as good as it was. But you can't take a step backwards. I mean, nobody wants to take a step backwards. That's not what they want to do. Mm -hmm. That's not what the fans want. But it's gonna be hard to take a step forward from this class. I think we all agree on that.
3: I think the key for next class is to getting a big win out of state. I think this last year with can or well, twenty twenty three, you know, going into twenty twenty three, this recruiting class right now, I think it's so good in state. I don't think that there's gonna be the talent in twenty twenty four to at least have the hype and buzz that Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson and a lot of other guys bring to the table. But I think the next step is, you know, you've proven you can win your state. You just got a massive recruit that you fended off other schools from around the country to get. Now you need to go out and, and be on the attack, be on the attack and go get, you know, somebody from another state, you know, that's similar to like Avery Johnson, not necessarily a quarterback, but someone of that four star stature that has tons of power five offers you got to go and and find one of those wins does that happen next year i don't know but i think that's the next big step for k-state recruiting is going out getting an out-of-state guy that quite frankly is in the top 24 7 and is good enough to to do his commitment as an announcement live on on cbs sports i think that is the the caliber of of recruit that k-state needs to get now i agree I, I absolutely agree. Uh, they they can't
2: go backwards. They just can't. In um, the actual physical, you know, process of recruiting, you can't go backwards, can't get worse. But for the fans, I mean, that'll be so discouraging to finally feel like you turn the corner and find out, no, we're still in the same place. Well, well, we'll see how it works out. But they're going to have to elevate their out-of-state recruiting have you noticed that since Jerome Tang was hired, I use the word elevate a lot. <laughs> a lot. It's a good word. Thank you, Coach Tang. Uh, they're they're going to have to up their game out of state. They just are.
5: From Go Youper Cat, Brett Yormark said he wants to make the Big 12 Conference younger and hipper. Help him out by giving your ideas to make
2: K-State younger and hipper. To make K-State younger and hipper? Yeah. Uh, feature fits a lot. Without a shirt. Without a shirt, I mean, I think that'll just Zumba pants. Zumba pants, mm. no shirt. Dance videos. Okay, we we solved this. Move on. Um, I,
3: I, I it's taking a new media approach, and I think it's it's yeah. more content driven. And you look at, you know, he was in NASCAR. He did, you know, the Nets. All this stuff. I think he's. You know his connections with jay-z i think he's connected to to being younger and hipper and i think it's about spending more resources as a conference and creating more content i guess i don't think you need a network like you needed 10 years ago to put it on cable i think you can create more youtube content you can create more social content i think that You know, if you look at other leagues and other organizations and what they do as far as keeping the fan engaged with the product, a lot of it's on social media. It's on the Internet. It's not these traditional cable networks necessarily that are paying you millions of dollars. I think you need to go out and try forging a path forward in a new media environment that I don't think people really think about when you think about conference realignment. And the dollars and cents. Because I don't think it's necessarily direct dollars and cents. You need to go find fans and create fans and keep them engaged. I think that's the number one key. And I think it's it's being cool on social media and on the internet. I do a pretty good job I think K-State
2: does a good job. Um, but I'm going to be um, kissing up to Zach Carlson with my answer here. We still don't know why country music superstar, Kane Brown, lists Kansas State as his second favorite team behind Georgia. We have no idea why. Nobody seems to know why, and we can't get an answer why. But as this guy continues to become a bigger and bigger country star, you need to get him here for a nationally televised game. You know, maybe you ask him to sing the national anthem or what? I don't even know if you ask him anything other than we want you to stand around so the cameras can hit you. And all the country fans are like, Cain Brown's a K-State Brown? Because we can't explain it. We have no idea why. Maybe he digs purple. Maybe his dad was stationed at Fort Riley briefly in his life. I'm not
3: sure. Halftime performance. Halftime performance. You know, I'm thinking kind of like the AFC Championship, you know, another great country artist. no. Oh, no. No. no, here we go, folks. This is wandering. Cole is right channeling his inner gills. I won't. I won't say who this other great country artist was. But There's only was one, one. He has no
2: association with Kansas State other than the fact that there is an Applebee's in town. <laughs> that's it.
3: So stop <laughs> I, with I, that guy. I think that's a good blueprint.
4: The only way to get Kane Brown on campus is to give him an offer he can't refuse. I don't know why you brought that in.
3: I don't know why.
2: You <laughs> just threatened his life. <laughs> I don't know why. He just he just went all mafia. Let's, uh, let's, hi. hi. Are you waving at me? You you got anything to contribute here, fancy
5: pants? Um, I would piggyback off of what Zach said and just tell fans what they want to hear. You know, saying that the Big 12 is open for business, it, it seems like Bob Bullsby just wasn't confident in him, in himself enough, right? And your mark was, at media
2: days at least. Bob Bowlesby was a guy that just wants to manage the business. Like, he's fiscally responsible, the payouts went up. You know, he saw his job as getting funneling money to the schools, which mm-hmm. it is, and that's part of it. Um, it's also fighting and protecting your self-interest, including not getting poached. But, you know, honestly, I don't think there's anything Bob Bowlesby could have done to save Texas and Oklahoma. There's no way the Big 12 can match the amount of money. And that's why, with Wednesday's daily delivery, I pointed out that if the ACC schools want to go to the Big 10 and SEC for a piece, eight votes breaks their grant of rights. It's that simple. And I guarantee you that out of the what are, they, are they at fourteen plus Notre Dame? Yeah. Out of the fourteen schools, eight of those football schools that play in the ACC will will say, "Yeah, we'll do it." Well, eight out of the thirteen, nobody wants Wake Forest. But um, yeah, I mean, you'll find that maybe the Big Twelve gets involved at that point. Uh, my point is that um, it's all out there, and there if if the money's talks, schools are going to go. I would be refreshed if a school said no. Granted, we're going to make twice as much media rights revenue by joining your conference. We don't want anything to do how you view college athletics. I would be happy if someone said that, but what AD is going to say that and keep their job? The fans will turn on them because the fans think with the money, we're going to be able to beat Alabama every week. So, um, yeah, I don't think at the end of the day he could have done anything. But the fact that he was literally asleep at the wheel. He had no sense that anything was going on. Maybe that's a credit to Texas and Oklahoma because USC and UCLA just pulled it off. But I still think you should feel the railroad track vibrating from two miles away. I mean, that's your job. And I don't think anyone's going to pull a fast one on Brett Yormark. Or, getting back to Cole's theme of this podcast, they might wake up with a horse head in their bed. (laughs) So... I like Brett Yomark. He seems like he's a really nice guy in person. He's very personable, and I bet you he's a pain in the ass at the negotiating table. He is a bulldog that knows what he wants and knows what he needs to get. He proved it every step of the way. The man, you talk about what he did with NASCAR, Zach, and it's incredible, especially since it was like his first sports job. And he's a New Yorker, New Jersey guy going into the most Southern of all things. And he sells their biggest sponsorship, changes the whole trajectory of the business. I think the biggest thing he's done, though, is being part of the rebranding of the Nets from a clown show to the Brooklyn black and white badass version they are now. It was that simple for him, a different vision of the conference. I tried to bring this up in my uh, tweet fest. I, I think the name of the conference is where you start. You have to find something that sets you aside. College Premier League. Well, then we're not relegating anyone. And if I hear see one more tweet about bringing relegation into college football, we're going to have an issue. I'm going to go. I'm going to lose it. It's never going to happen. Could no. you shut up, soccer people? Just shut up, soccer people. Um, it'd be fun. There we go. See, they can't stop themselves, Gills. The soccer people can't stop themselves. Zach is a
3: soccer person. He can't stop himself.
2: It'd be better that way.
3: But I, I didn't say know. it'd be better. I said it'd, it'd be, be fun. it'd be fun to see Ku just be obliterated. Well, well they'd be the, relegated to to
2: Division Three and yeah. still
3: not win. Anyhow, i have
2: I'm lost my thought. But picking the new name is going to be really important. And again, I can't remember might have been Pete Thamel said the big 12 needs to consider dropping big because big 10 is cornered that brand. It's because we all refer to it as big now with the one in the middle. I mean, they've they've done a great job. That's exactly what we're talking about. They're still the big 10, but now they go by this and they seem a little bit cooler, even though they're not that cool. They're kind of book nerds, but the big 12, 12 has got to come up with a new brand, probably unrelated to numbers because they <laughs> are going to be 12, 16, 20. I just saw a Reddit plan for 36, which actually made some sense. I thought they were insane for combining all three of these leagues, the other Power 5 leagues into one entity, but actually six pods of six makes a lot of sense. Anyhow, you know, the National Conference, something something strong. I joked about the Defiant. And of course, KU people took it seriously. Yeah, on my Tweet Fest yesterday, every Big 12 fan base was supportive and interactive, except KU. The only snide comments from Big 12 people were KU. What is culturally going on at KU? They're just, their elitist crap right now is getting really tiresome. I say we vote out KU. That's how I'm going to end my answer. I'm really sorry, Fitz. I didn't tell you that was the last question. That's the last question of this podcast. Of, of the first uh, it was the, the, the half was 30 minutes long. We're going to take a break now and we're going to go to the fridge and buy some alcohol and be hammered for the second half. What you previously heard may not be true.
1: GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break.
0: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios.
2: Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Interesting happenings in the break. You will find out later what they were. Not that much later after we post the podcast from what we're told. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody. Ryan Gills Gilbert here in the GPC studios with two dogs that are behaving today. I had to go and say it. Knock on wood. God, I had to go and say it. Let's just get back into the questions. Remember, we're sponsored by the fridge. You should always stop to the fridge. Pledge your loyalty to the fridge. And just go in. Next time you go in there, just hug a hug an employee. They they appreciate that. Particularly um, if you like, give them a little kiss on the cheek. Maybe lick them. Look, it's, it's okay. COVID's... Whatever. Uh Cole, take over. You're gonna take this, right? I am. Okay. Run. Go. Go, Cole, go. Now, go. First question
4: of the second half comes from Go Stay Kate. How big of a deal is it to get Michael Beasley on the quote unquote K State purple and black TBT team? Think there is more Emaw in his future, or is it just a chance to win some money? A great question. Um
2: hey, I love this. I you know, and Michael is Michael's one of a kind. Uh, he literally is. Even for athletes or musicians or anyone, He he's just got a brain that's wired a little bit differently than all of us. And I love him. I, I just think he's hysterical. Now, there's probably a backstory why he never quite hangs on in the league, despite being a really good basketball player. Still a good basketball player. Um So maybe there's something going on there. I said this when he came out early. First of all, at the time when he came out early, I knew Mike wasn't the most mature of the guys out there. And um, it's not like he was childish. He just seemed less equipped to make that transition. And I thought he really needed another year on campus. If we talk to him, that'll be a good question. Do you regret not sticking around? But as soon as he was drafted by Miami, it was trouble. That's not where Michael Beasley needed to go when he was not ready to go. He needed to go to—so much for that. The dog just made a funny noise. He needed to go to Minnesota. You know, he needed to go to someplace— Phoenix? Phoenix. Salt Lake City would get him right. Salt Lake City. Someplace of somewhat protected environment where, as I said at the time, I don't trust myself on South Beach, let alone as a multi-millionaire teenager. I can't imagine how wrong that went. And also, it turned out Dwayne Wade was a crappy teammate. I mean, he was, give me the ball. What are you doing? I'm the guy. Just exactly kind of the downer Michael can't take. So, that it just all went wrong from the start. My hope from this is I look. Like, I'm not a big fan of the TBT. I, we supported the first year. I mean, we we helped sponsor the team. We it just it doesn't trip my trigger. It just doesn't. I don't. I don't know. It's is it because it's in the summertime? You think partly maybe because you I know.
5: Think we, for me, the name on the front of the jersey isn't K State. You know, the name on the back of the jersey is cool to follow those guys, but it's not K State.
2: Yeah, and they have two or three guys from right. That that bothers me. I think if you are going to be the K State team, you are the K State team. And if you can't get enough guys to be the K State team, you are not the K State team. You are just some guys who are friends. Um, but I admit I am more interested now that Jake and Bill Walker and and Michael are going to play if they play. That's a big if. <laughs> if they play. They, they were supposed to be in Kansas City and then miraculously they can't be in Kansas City. They're flying directly into Wichita. So that tells me their their flights were booked earlier to go to Wichita. Like I don't see them just changing their flights to go to Wichita. There's a good chance that yeah. airline didn't go to Wichita from where they were. I don't know where they're at. So anyhow, I'm excited because I love Mike. I love him as a person. I think he's a very intelligent guy who has an interesting outlook on life. And I love the way he expresses it. So I hope that this gets him more connected back to K-State. Because I think in a weird way, Mike needs K-State more than K-State needs Mike. Mike needs to come back and and put his feet in on the earth again. You know how some people do that? Like if you live in New York City, you go to Central Park, take your shoes off, walk around on the grass. to feel like they get grounded literally again. That's what K-State, that's what Emal represents to Mike. He needs to come back, and even though Frank's not here, his guys aren't here, the community and the vibe is still here. I'm so excited
4: to see how he responds to all the K-State fans in Wichita. Yeah, because I, I I've talked to some people, people who live in Wichita, and and even people who don't like. There's going to be a good amount of K-State fans that go out and watch those guys play. And quite honestly, I think that those guys have earned that right. Right. I mean, Jacob Poland talked about it. I was reading somewhere. He's like, you know, when you when you play overseas, you don't really get to play in front of the fans. But they're getting to come back and play in front of K-State fans, and we know how loyal K-State fans are. I I think this will be perfect for Mike because you're right. And I, I, if you haven't seen the Pivot podcast – I'm, I'm going to talk about that. I don't think that's a competitive podcast. Okay. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, uh, it It talks about his story. Um, and if you haven't seen it or if you haven't listened to it, it you need to because it really – you, you be if you haven't had an appreciation for him as a human being before it kind of gives you a little insight into his life and I think that coming back to Kansas where the people love him not just because of who he is as a basketball player they don't care about everything that's happened to him they're going to support him because he was a K-State Wildcat and it doesn't matter what you do after you are always going to be a K-State Wildcat I think that's how fans look at it with Mike and they kind of adopted him as their as their own, and I'm excited to see how he responds to that. I yeah. feel like that could do really good things for him and his psyche.
2: Well, well, I know this. Mike was betrayed by a number of people who he should never have had to worry about being betrayed by, you know. And so he correctly has trust issues. I get that, but I truly believe this in my heart: the K State family will never betray Mike. You know, he came here for one year. It was a special year. It was a fun year. But I think people just fell in love with Mike because he's just such a, a kind soul. At the end of the day, Mike's a really kind soul um, that, that doesn't want to do harm. He wants to make people smile. He wants to do good in the world. He wants to play basketball. And, you know, in some ways it's kid-like. And because of that, he got taken advantage of by some people. Next question. Comes from KSU number one. With
4: rumors of NBC being a media partner, what kind of rights deal would you foresee from NBC
2: Sports? I'm fascinated now. We were told that the Big 12 had no value a year ago, and suddenly we're hearing stories about NBC. um, Well, the backstory on this is Notre Dame wants $75 -hmm. million from one entity for themselves. Now, you can sit here and say, well, that's not, that doesn't make sense. But it it does in a way. Now, where it falls short is they're talking just football because the rest of their rights are held by the ACC, which is ESPN. And while we always have to remind KU people that basketball isn't a big part of this equation, it is part of the equation. I mean, it, it might be 10%, 20%. So for Notre Dame to expect equal money as the Big Ten and SEC or what they view as equal, we don't know what those numbers will be. I think they'll actually be a little under. But still, if they want equal money, they need to give up everything. And not that NBC would want their other rights. That's the point is they don't. They just want your football and it's worth this. You're getting money. You should be getting money for ACC for your basketball. The other side of that is NBC's like, well, if we go in that hard with, and I find this interesting, a very corporate idea here, if we go in that hard on this entity, we want more bang. We're going to go all in on someone else. So if we're going to spend that much money, we're going to spend more money. It's like if you're expanding your business, I'm I'm thinking about opening up a second location, but instead I'm going to open five, which is an interesting, businesses do that with success. Um, some don't, but that's what NBC is looking at doing. They would add the Big Twelve, Tier Two, probably not the not the headline rights, but so they could have a second game on Saturdays, so they could have secondary content maybe on the Peacock. But they they want some of these other games to get more general college football viewers over because. Notre Dame gets two types of viewers, those who love Notre Dame and those who hope they lose every stinking game by 100 points. That's who watches Notre Dame games, or the opponent.
3: I mean, when you think about it in the Notre Dame context right now, if you want to watch Notre Dame, you have to be set out to watch Notre Dame. The only people that are watching Notre Dame are purposefully watching and having to tune over to NBC. NBC doesn't have any other college football, so if that's what they want – you know, and I don't think it's an unfair valuation for... I mean, it may, it might seem ridiculous to pay one school that much, but Notre Dame can probably command that much money. But NBC saying, you know, if we're going to pay that much, yeah. We need to have some shoulder content, so let's put a game before the Notre, Notre Dame game. Right. Let's put a game after the Notre Dame game. Right. Sandwiched in the middle, because Notre Dame does like to play those, you know, afternoon kickoffs. And NBC, being the rights holder for just Notre Dame, they can... Play whatever games they want, but, um, you know, I think that having some value of, you know, a K State KU game leading into Notre Dame, you're going to have a lot of people that just don't change the channel, you know, and I think that's where you get some benefit from that from from a lot of that uh, that money increase that that they'd be paying Notre Dame. I'm intrigued by it, um, because you're exactly
2: right. It, folks, it means there'll be an 11 a.m. NBC game. Basically every week. They, they Because that's a great portal time. And their production, can we talk about their production, too? I mean... No, well, they only worry about one school. That will be interesting
4: to see what they do. I mean, e- but even with, like, the NFL... I mean, I I don't know True. if it'll be the exact same. I feel like CBS, their production for college football is very similar to their production of the NFL, and their production's better than the other
3: channels. I personally think that NBC's production as a whole across their entire sports portfolio is among the worst of all of really? professional sports. From graphics, from broadcasters, um, you know, TV personalities, I think that it is far and far and ahead, far and behind. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it is... That's a hot take. It is clearly inferior to um, at the, at ESPN the, and, and Fox as far as a top presentation. Levels. At
2: the top levels. Yeah, yes, I get it. Hmm. I'm, I'm hopeful, though, that if this is their number two college football game, that you will get their second set of announcers instead of Mike Gullick Jr. and some guy that right. just
3: graduated from high school. Sure. But... You know, when you watch NASCAR, you watch golf. But I mean, really, golf is probably their best—the thing they're best at. And I would still rather watch golf on CBS. I'd rather watch golf on ESPN.
2: Okay. Hmm. Um, this
4: kind of ties into what we're talking about. The next question, by but the way. What's the next question? Uh, me... Around the same.
2: Okay, go. I'll, I'll just keep it on. Yeah. Going. yeah. Uh,
4: from CW Powercat, how much would a school like K State get offered for a TV deal on the open market if it was an independent team like
2: Notre Dame? Oh, hardly anything. Hardly anything. I mean, it's just the reality. I think you could get a million a game, and that's it. Yeah, I, look, folks, I think I think the national media doesn't understand the reality of the Big 12. But the Big 12 does understand the reality. It doesn't have the big brand names. It is literally going to be a conference whose selling points are balance. Come on, KU. Pull your damn weight. Balance, entertainment, entertainment. And great for sports betting. It's going to be entertaining games, which we know entertaining games on a national platform between two teams that aren't the blue bloods will pull good ratings. People want good games. That's what they want. Big 12 is going to offer that. Uh, but just throwing K State out as an independent, I mean, how would that, who would you play? There's nobody's going to play you. You don't, you're not, I'm sorry, we're not a compelling opponent. You're, it's like UConn. Right, if if you when UConn's independent right now, so right. I mean, it, it would be a real struggle. Now, where I think the value comes in to kind of bridge between these two questions is that if you can get CBS and NBC to combine forces to rival the money Fox and ESPN are spending on the Big Ten and, and SEC, now we're talking about something substantial that they might view it as. Put together, we don't want to go in that much. And I'm not saying the money will match. That's not what I'm saying. It shouldn't match. It shouldn't. There isn't the brands that people just automatically tune into on this conference. But what they have is fairly legitimate and tangible. And if you go with these two networks, which is, would be incredible. I don't know. That's, that's hard to fathom. I mean, usually it's ESPN and a network. If you get these two networks behind you, you will be on NBC, CBS, CBS Sports, and two different streaming platforms in all likelihood. I don't want to subscribe to Peacock, but I will do it for the Big 12. Probably USA as well. USA. Good yep. point. I mean, and particularly if we're looking at, we're, we're certainly looking at a 16-team conference. I'm confident of that. I don't see any way now the Big 12 doesn't go to 16 in light of the fact the other two conferences have. But if the ACC cracks and and 12 of those schools end up split up between these three conferences, you're going to have two 20-team conferences, three 20-team conferences, excuse me. You will have so much inventory. You'll have 10 games a week during the the conference season. Non-conference, you're going to have 20 games of inventory. That's a lot of streaming content. That's a lot of value, and plus the big... 12 or whatever we want to name it, will be the only conference offering a full slate of games in every inventory slot except for the one only Hawaii can fill. And nobody's going to – Hawaii's not ever going to get a – that's a pretty good – that's probably your answer to this question. What does Hawaii get for the exclusive rights to ESPN for those late-night games that are quite entertaining to watch? If you're drunk at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night, <laughs> or if you got money on the game, or if you got and you're a degenerate
3: and you've got to have something to bet on at 2 a.m. again, Bud Elliott. wouldn't be Ryan no, Gilbert. no,
5: yeah,
2: no, no, not him. No. He's he's at church. Uh, Bud Elliott at 24 seven nailed this. The Big 12 needs to totally get into sports betting. It needs to be the sports betting network. That's why I went on a rampage yesterday about. Las Vegas needs to be a Big Twelve city. <clears throat> if the only way to do that is to invite UNLV to be the Vanderbilt, the gambling balance to the academic argument of for Vanderbilt, then do it. But if you get Vegas, the very I know you can bet in Kansas, you can bet in Arizona. I know that. But the flagship of sports betting will always be Vegas. Betting Brett. that's where what? that's where the uh, sports books are located. That's their home base, and if you make Vegas Big Twelve country, and maybe you have a corporate sponsorship from MGM, from Caesars, from I don't know who else. Who? Give me someone else. South Point is a big one, but I don't know who their actual book is. Pen. Pen, which is tied to Barstool up, now. Barstool, but but if you have that. I just think it's amazing. You're going to be playing the Las Vegas Bowl. There's some great suggestions on there. You have you have kickoff weekend, including a game in Las Vegas with BYU or someone else every year. Maybe BYU plays their first conference game every year in Vegas. Something like that, which is ironic. We're leaning on the Mormons to get us to the Vegas market, but here we go. Um, they love Vegas. I know. It's the weirdest thing because that—, that Aside, that proves there's a lot more to Vegas than the debauchery we seem to enjoy the most. There's a lot more going on there. But I just think getting tied into that whole subculture of sports betting, like everything in the game, in the broadcast, is integrated. You know, like the network is uh, with Caesars. So here's the Caesars prop bets for this game. Did he make them? Who? Caesar. Caesar. Uh, yeah, no, he. but he did stay there. Okay. Okay. Um, and. <laughs> he didn't live there, though. No, he just stayed there. It was his vacation home. Nope. His vacation home was, you know, because he liked the desert. That's wrong. Fitz, you it's just, want, what do you, you just what? want business trips to well,
5: Vegas. This is all you're there, doing here. There
2: is a lot of that. But in, in reality, Vegas for a holiday tournament, basketball tournament, Vegas for. That was one suggestion and I loved it. Go from eighteen conference games to nineteen and over the course of one weekend there will be a series of games in Las Vegas to tip off the conference in early January. Brilliant. And the and the media will love it. The rights holders will love it. We get, hold on, we get to broadcast all ten of these conference games in maybe two different buildings and never leave Vegas with our our trucks
3: saving them money. Do you think that the NCAA will ever allow sports betting, or do you think that I don't think it matters. You don't think it matters now. I don't think it matters. you think, I don't think that the NCAA's. You think that matters, yeah. you think that the Big Twelve should just say screw the NCAA. We're gonna partner with yeah sports books.
2: Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? You're about to lose the Big Ten and mm-hmm. SEC. What are you going to do about it? I mean, literally, that's what everyone's doing with the NIL right now. You're not supposed to have it involved in recruiting. It's involved in yeah. recruiting. And the NCAA, don't do that. Stop. It's just they're feckless. And and I think everyone in the business recognizes that the NCAA is gone. You know, maybe it'll live on in some way. But, um, again, I think that is the brand, a coast-to-coast brand tied into sports betting. Anyhow, I'm talking about sports Prop bets. How many yards will Deuce Vaughn have? That's a prop bet in the pregame show. They're talking about that. Head on over to our sports work, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then as the game's going, they're tracking it. It's a pop-up on the screen. Deuce Vaughn's at 129 yards. The prop bet was 135. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. I know. Is it it's Sunday night or Monday night? One of the primetime
5: games in the NFL, you have like 15 minutes to sign up for some sort of, you no, know.
2: brilliant. You know what I mean? And, I can't and, remember what it again, exactly And again, this is. gets back to the other idea that was floated. Sell your sell your conference naming rights. Now, there is a report that Brett Yormark is looking for a five-year grant of rights. Five. That tells me one thing. He's very confident in the product. He does not want to do what the ACC did and sign a crappy deal that goes on for 13 years or something. And then the commissioner says that all the bowl games are very
4: important to the, each team in the conference.
2: Um, and then... He wants to be able to um, come back to the table in about three years and say, how's your ratings? They're pretty good, aren't they? I told you we'd be okay. We do compare. Now we want that money. I think it's brilliant. And maybe he's wrong. Maybe they'll be proven right and the rights won't move or they'll go down. That's true. It won't be his problem because he'll be gone. I, I think it's brilliant. But if in, in union with doing this, what if CBS says we want it all? We want your entire conference, your all, every sports event we want on our platforms? Well, you're the Paramount conference for the, the five years of those granted rights. Or if you have multiple and MGM or Caesars comes in, and then you're the MGM college conference. You need to have a... It, but it got to be good money. We're not going to yeah. sell it to you for a million dollars a year per school. You better cough it up.
3: You need to have a, a brand and have a, a presenting sponsor, but you don't want to necessarily be the Blockbuster conference and then the Netflix conference and then the Bad Boy Mowers conference. I kind of want that conference. you got to be the something-something Big 12 conference. Not necessarily Big 12, but you get my I point. I get it. Club soda, yeah. you need, it's like the premier league. It was
2: the, <laughs> <laughs> like you're just going to name the conference after your favorite drink. Sure. Okay.
3: Like the, it was the Barclays premier league for the longest time. Right. And then it's just the premier league. Now they got rid of their title. G E H a. Oh God. It. To- Make it an easy name to say. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's if you've got a confusing name as a corporation, please don't do any sponsorships signed. Uh, everyone in Pittsburgh, um, we have gone completely
4: off the rails of the actual question, but what else is new? Uh, the <clears throat> last question of the podcast comes from Call Me T 22 How would life be different if the Big 12 added Louisville and Cincy the first totally, time around?
2: Totally different. Totally different. Uh, would you love liked it? I loved it. There would have never been a West Virginia problem. There would have been 12 schools. The, the issue became that at 10 schools you were vulnerable, and it happened. And not only two schools left, it was the two biggest brands left. And the Big 12 did a remarkable job of, uh, despite KU um, trying to make it sound like they were going to the Big 10. They're just so selfish, it's unbelievable. They locked arms and and pulled together. And they saved the conference, because there's... I just responded on Twitter to a Pac-12 fan. These people are really angry. The reason we're angry in the Big 12 is this is important to these college fan bases. It's an important thing. College football means a lot on all of these campuses except one. A lot. And even that campus understands that college sports is important. They just don't understand what the most important sport is. They're really good at one that's secondary. And I appreciate that. That's, it's amazing. But it's important here. The conference is important. And I understand that someone from the Pac-12 doesn't get that because it's not important out there. But ironically, this was a Utah fan, and I'm like, that's why the Big 12 wants you, because it's important in, in Utah. It is. It's about the only campus out there, really, now that has that feel to it. I mean, Oregon's Oregon. Washington's Washington. Utah's a, a college environment. There's no boats tailgating I mean it's just a college environment. Just making fun of Baylor like that. Jeez. Baylor but
3: Baylor does it on a river. There's something a little more I think down tec- to earth. I think technically Seattle's a river, right? That's a river. Isn't it a bay? It's a bay, but it's I oh, think by the things. school you gotta Don't nitpick my points that way.
2: <laughs> They're foo-foo. I guarantee you Baylor fans are drinking Shinerbach on those boats, and the Washington fans are into the the wine. Hey, what kind of wine selection do you have? Is this, is this a good wine? I guarantee it. <laughs> I don't know they sound like that. Okay. But I, I was just off in the weeds. What was the question? Louisville, Cincinnati. It, would it be the, different? It was, this conference would be so strong. Cincinnati got good without Big 12 money. Wrap yeah. your mind around it. They could be a monster right now if they had had Big 12 money the whole time. And Louisville. Louisville was the problem. They're known cheaters. West Virginia didn't want anything to do with them. It's it's so funny. So often, schools end up blocking what's in their best interest, like the ACC and Pac-12 blocking the expanded playoff and the Pac-12 blocking, uh, inviting other Big 12 teams. West Virginia blocking Cincinnati and Louisville, most particularly Louisville, was a bad idea. And Texas... And Texas blocking them and eventually deciding the conference wasn't strong enough because of the circumstances that they created is just rich and makes me so glad they're leaving. But, yes, how badass would this conference be? would still be in divisions. And we'd be in a division with all of those schools out east, but it would still be
3: a blast. I think the only thing it really changes BYU wouldn't be in the conference. No. I think UCF and Houston – potentially would be the additions if texas and OU leave but yes you know i who know who's to say what would have happened if you know louisville and cincinnati join with maybe be? maybe some other eastern schools that are in the power five mm-hmm. you know if they're in the acc or you know schools like i don't know if Mar- maryland and rutgers always were gonna want to go to the big 10 just for so weird for whatever but you know, maybe there's schools out there on the East Coast that would have been, you know, Pitt. maybe Virginia Tech, Virginia Pitt, Tech. Pitt. You know, somebody saying, yeah, let's go play in the Big 12.
2: They're now out here. We don't have to go all, yeah. all the way to the Midwest every game. Well, that's it for the podcast. It's, it just strikes me right now, though, folks, that big things are coming in conference realignment. And that's why I'm glad we're putting this podcast up immediately because it, it won't age and be wrong. It could be right for a couple minutes. However, Brett Yormark doesn't start till August 1st, which is 10, 11 days. How many days are in July? Ten. There's
3: 30, 31. 31. There's 31. We 12, get the bonus day? I think day? it's 12 days, I believe. Unless it's a
2: leap year. Then then it has 14. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's it's leap year. July only has 14 days yeah. in the leap years. It's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> but it was, it was designed by ESPN. That's it for the podcast. Big things are happening. We'll be on top of it big recruiting things are happening, and we'll be on top of that. In fact, we're going to go eat lunch. I'm going to be on top of that.
1: Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. Are, it's the feel good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley one love. Ready PG 13. Now streaming on
0: Paramount+. Plus.